Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Chocolate milk provides real recovery backed by real science so you can put in the real work. Research shows that drinking low-fat chocolate milk after a strenuous workout is a nutritious way to refuel your body and build lean muscle. That's because low-fat chocolate milk has the right mix of protein and carbs that your body needs and provides fluids and electrolytes to replenish what you lose in sweat. See the real science at builtwithchocolatemilk.com. That's builtwithchocolatemilk.com. Well then, it's time for the episode that's going to make us look like idiots. Our predictions for the season. Uh, I think this is the one where we have some of the biggest misses annually uh especially because you really have to go out of limb for like six man and most improved a lot so we're going to do all of our awards uh, and we're going to pick win totals for every single team conference finals finals a few other categories that we invented as well how are you feeling about your predictions this year danny uh you know, like, it, I understand at this point that you're going to get things wrong and it's going to feel dumb. Like, that's just a part of this. But I do feel pretty good about the process that led to everything. And one thing I'll mention, because I, you did more win predictions than I did in terms of the overall scope before this exercise. And when I just rolled out my predictions, I was 32 wins over the, like, you know, splitting up the league. And... I ended up paring that down all the way to 10 over. And then at that point, I just felt uncomfortable with making those final cuts. And I'm going to get some things wrong anyway. So it's not like I'm trying for a perfect, like a perfect bracket equivalent. But I feel pretty good about the process. I know I'll get things wrong. And I'm at this point, you know, like I've done so much season preview stuff, both here and for Real Jam Radio and, and for writing for The Athletic, that I'm just ready for this to actually start. So while I'm sure people will go back and point to things like this, I'm just ready to see actual games. So whether that makes us right or wrong, I just I'm ready. Yeah, it's interesting. I was at 1239. So there's 1230 wins available through the league. That's nine wins higher. Uh, And that was actually most of the teams that I made adjustments to compared to my predictions on the pod were downward adjustments like the Spurs, for example, due to injury, the Thunder due to injury. Uh, But I I think I only adjusted one or two teams up and still I I was a little high. And, you know, we're not that far away from some of these over-unders. And I I haven't added up all of the over-unders, but I'm guessing the over-unders are probably, you know, 10 wins high on the season. I think that's part of the reason for that maybe is just because of disaster potential for those teams, right? Like even if your median outcome 
is going to be relatively high there are always some teams that are just going to experience catastrophic injuries and just suck like memphis last year that are just going to be 15 wins below where you expect and it seems like there are more teams like that than teams that really can exceed expectations in part because these lines are generally higher and because we just don't it's impossible to price in and know which of these teams is going to experience the catastrophic injury and just be like so far below expectations so I, like for example last year with, yeah and it's also it's also hard to price in tanking sure. like so for example like let's say i have the atlanta hawks as a 25 win team well a lot of teams that are 25 win teams win 23 or 22 and so that can tack on a couple as well the tanking won't be as severe this year probably at the very bottom due to the reform in the lottery but generally speaking i've talked about this before teams don't usually win in the low 30s because they usually fall off or they go a little higher and try to make the playoffs well last year was certainly an example of that maybe the most extreme that we've ever had so let's get started with the western conference i will begin i'm going to give you my uh top four here i got golden state still winning the conference with 60 i don't feel good about their preseason at all i don't feel good about their center rotation is they're going to be playing a lot of damian jones and it seemed very steve kerr to start jones even though and maybe he's only doing that against okc because they have a big strong center but clearly looney and bell to me are superior players and jones has really struggled on defense to me in the preseason offensively he's okay uh you know he can get out for some alley-oops but he's still not just the fluid finisher that javel mcgee was you know, that that's whom he's often being compared to uh and then just the overall motivation seems down draymond green is gonna be on a minutes limit to start the season that's not great either it sounds like you know the nagging injuries are starting to catch up to him a little bit now uh but there's just too much talent here and, and i think as i have said in preseason at least for them steph curry and clay thompson look awesome and so i think as long as steph curry is healthy for enough of the season it's hard to see them falling below 60 remembering in fact that they're 40 and 10 with steph uh, last year um you want to react to any of that before i go on I have the Warriors at 60 as well. Similar logic. Also, integrating DeMarcus Cousins will be a big yes. challenge because he he is an entirely different player than the guys they've had at that position. And also, his weaknesses can compound their regular season weaknesses. I'm thinking specifically here about transition defense and sometimes their lack of alacrity running their defensive rotations. They don't play with that frenzied energy very often defensively now in the regular season because there isn't really a point. So all of that, my concerns about their perimeter rotation because they oh, just, yeah. if guys get hurt, they just don't have anybody to replace them yeah. right now. And I mean, McCaw, McKinney McCaw is, is out. maybe like going. It's, it's yeah. really, it, it, they're, they're, I should have mentioned that their backup wing situation just sucks right now. Uh, it's real. It's real given, bad. Given the and, fact and that and that's also in, and Livingston are probably going to not really play that much in the regular season. Right. And because those are really hard to find replacements. So like, let's say Jarebko has a bad year. They don't really have any clear cut. You know, there aren't just players available on the wing that they can plug in there like the the replacement player at a six foot eight guy is incredibly low compared to like a seven footer or a six foot two guy. So that's a, a concern for them, but they're still so ludicrously talented. I mean, the way I've phrased this before is if the Warriors are healthy, they're the favorites in basically every game they play. So if they're healthy, a reasonable portion of the time that leads to 60. Do you want to keep going with your list and then I'll go? Uh, no, why don't you do a few here? 
Okay, so my next kind of pack is Houston and Utah. I think Houston, just their offensive talent is ridiculous. Even if they take a step back defensively, they'll just beat a bunch of teams. So I have them at 56. I have Utah at 55, so just behind them. Utah has the combination of an elite defense and home court advantage due to elevation. So I think they will travel well with their defense and they'll beat teams at home because they're really good. So the little bit below, I could see that going in either order. There's an outside, outside shot if the Warriors are down that Utah ends up with the best record in the West to me. I don't expect it, but I want to acknowledge the possibility. And then I have another batch at four, but I'll just say the team that's at the top of it, which for right now is Denver. I believe 100% in their offense and their defense, I think will be a little bit better this year. Hopefully they get more Paul Millsap. They looked a lot better defensively when he was out there. Also, I think a couple of their younger players like Jamal Murray will take steps up this year. They don't really have a lot of age-related regression on this team. So I'm putting them a little higher than last year. And also the other big thing that helped Denver for me was a couple of the other teams in this area taking a step back. OKC is going to be without Robertson for longer. We don't know about Russell Westbrook. And then, of course, what happened with the Spurs? Yeah, I have Houston in the same tier as Golden State, still above everyone else. 59 wins for Houston. I think it's pretty close to a toss up who's going to get the number one seed here, although I do like Golden State more in, in the playoffs. One more thing about Golden State, too. Uh, while it is preseason, Kevin Durant looks like he is just completely checked out defensively so far and he's been another kind of pain point for them in the regular season when he when he doesn't try on defense uh i've got utah almost in a tier by themselves here uh, although you imagine that one of these teams below them will emerge to join them uh i've got them for 52 wins but uh, like you i see plenty of upside there uh, for them uh, as well and i could see them joining in that golden state houston group if they're down a little bit uh but fourth i actually have the lakers uh, at 48 despite all their flaws which we've repeated uh, ad nauseum they still do have lebron james given their personnel i like what uh, i've seen from them in preseason just how crazily they're pushing the ball except for the fact that they're not taking any threes at all that's a little bit of an issue but uh, they have such good personnel for running that i think they can just run enough teams off the floor uh each night and we'll see where their defense is like i i if you had to pick here for me you know do they have more potential to be below this or above this i would probably say below this uh because I'm just not sold on their defense and the lack of shooting. Uh, but I think there's just, there's still a lot of talent on this team. And then I've got... Uh, I basically uh, have a bunch of other teams in this tier too, reducing by one win pretty much the whole way down. So I've got Denver at 47, and, and I could see all these teams finishing in basically any order. Denver at 47. Unlike a lot of people, I'm not as sold on Denver's upside this year because I just don't think they're going to defend well enough to really win consistently and take care of the bad teams, right? I, I just don't see Denver being a like take care of business type of team where it's like, all right, you know, we're going to win this game against Phoenix by 15 every night you know because they just the defense could fall apart any night uh new orleans 46 okc i picked them for 47 before the season i'm lowering them to 45 now because of the westbrook injury it doesn't look like he'll quite be ready for opening night and he may not be uh totally 100 i think he's going to turn 30 this year uh it already took a step back last year so both in terms of his performance coming off the injury and the fact that he may miss some games may miss some games for maintenance as well and then the robertson injury uh, well i think he's an overrated player overall they just have absolutely nothing on the wing i mean they're going to be starting one of terrence ferguson hamadou diallo 
Alex Sabrinas, I mean, just guys who are not even proven NBA rotation players, much less starters for large portions of the season now. Uh, and then I've got Portland at 44. I would say that's the last team I feel pretty confident about. And so that, that gets us down to the eighth seed uh, there uh, by teams that I'm kind of leaving out of that, the Clippers, San Antonio, and Minnesota. But again, you know, those teams I think could get up there, but I just don't see them having quite as much talent. Uh, well, Minnesota does, but... Uh, the teams above them all seemed like you know just more solid teams uh than uh those below them but we could talk more about those teams uh after you uh go ahead with yours as well here so i i'm all i had denver at the top of this tier but they're absolutely in it i have them at 49 new orleans at 48 i really like a lot of the elements of this team anthony davis playing more at center i think is going to help a lot and i worry a little bit about their perimeter rotation but i still like their talent a lot i have the lakers 46 there'll be some adjustment periods with them i think that's really what this is they are just as good to me as denver and new orleans i just have them a little lower because they have more to do during this season and originally oklahoma city i had i I think i probably had them at or near the top of this group but i moved them down to 45 so the lakers at 46 okc at 45 then i have a little bit of a gap for portland at 42 but i still have them in this tier i just went a little lower with their projection they've been so insanely healthy with their star players the last couple of years that i think of them more as like a 40 43, 44 win team. But if they take a little step back, they were one of the teams that I knocked down when I had to cut off some wins. And that's the end of my tier. So that's number eight. Well, and Portland, the Mo Harkless situation is very concerning to me. Uh, you know, we saw that without him healthy, they really struggled in the playoffs. They struggled towards the end of last year as well, though Lillard was also hurt. Uh, I mean, remember, they had like a pretty darn good lead for that third seed, you know, with like maybe two weeks to go. And they almost uh, lost that lead. Uh, with Utah coming on so strong, but also because they played pretty poorly down the end. So that is concerning. You know, I might actually think about lowering them one, uh, but I, I'll, I'll stick with the 44. I'm still a believer in those guys. But so, so Portland, is that your sixth, your eighth seed also then? That's, that's my eight. Yeah. Wow. So Denver oh, man, four, New Orleans five, again. <laughs> Lakers six, OKC seven, Portland eight. Well, I mean, I had San Antonio over Portland yeah. before DeJounte Murray got hurt. Like, so that, that I think, I think some of the things that happened evened us out where we disagreed. Yeah. Like in Minnesota, I had, I had Minnesota. I think you had them higher than I did, but we yeah. both had them but obviously. Before in the, the Jimmy wins. Butler drama, I had Minnesota at 48 wins and I've lowered them all the way down to 40. And I just, I just don't know what to make of this idea that, you know he's gonna play now like is he gonna actually play hard is it really going to work like i, I just and, I and can't if they trade him yeah. in season yeah. and if they trade him in season then you have all of that adjustment type stuff also the fact that you almost always never get full value back and also if they whether they do trade him or they don't this team has amazing disaster potential because it could just fall apart a bunch of different ways and also they're not as resilient to injury like they just they they, they tibbs runs his main guys hard and they don't have a lot of capable replacements like think about if Andrew Wiggins who's been remarkably durable throughout his career but like let's say and Wiggins is their probably their fifth best starter fourth best starter if he misses 15 20 games they don't have anybody else to step in there are they going to play wall dang like what are they going to do they are so that's a that's a big concern (laughs) for me with them as well yeah 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 I I think so I mean I just I'm not willing to bet on those guys uh, with everything that's going on there and and yeah they might get something back for Jimmy Butler you imagine they will uh you know he supposedly met with Glenn Taylor yesterday 
at practice where he practiced without incident and taylor said hey you know what just play hard be a good company man and we'll still try to honor your trade request uh you know and, and we'll see whether that happens or not but uh yeah it's if whoever they get back from jimmy butler this team i mean jimmy is damn right when he's talking shit to scott Layden that this team has never been good unless jimmy butler has been in the lineup and so even if you get back josh richardson i mean he'll certainly help them but you know he's no jimmy butler uh so and i think even offensively too they have so many structural limitations with the lack of shooting and the lack of creativity on offense that you know without uh, butler there you know they don't really score all that well i don't think either so uh, and certainly don't stop anybody but uh, getting back to the predictions here we don't have to go quite as long as some of these teams because obviously that's what these season preview pods have been for clippers at 42 i am higher on them than san antonio who i have at 41 and higher on them than minnesota uh, at this point this is i think the clippers i had higher four wins over their over under so i seem to be higher on them than just about anybody i just couldn't really come up with i mean they won 42 last year uh they've got more guys healthy more depth this season uh you know i didn't think that blake griffin did like that much for them i didn't think that deandre jordan did that much for them uh, last year those are their two main losses so uh and there's deep as any team i'm uh i just didn't really see much reason why they're gonna be any worse than last year and remember that they tanked at the end of the season as well um now the only thing that could kill it here is they've got that lottery protected pick that they owe to to the celtics but uh, again i mean they're going to be trying to make the playoffs and if they don't they don't uh you could just see them maybe falling out of it in the last week or two of the season and then doing what they did last year and killing this prediction for me but i i still i just like their talent a lot more than san antonio who with Derek white out with Dejounte murray out i mean they have one healthy and they basically have three guards who are healthy on this team as uh, DeRozan and Mills and Forbes am I forgetting anybody no I don't think you are so I mean they're, they're yeah they're... I mean all, all that all that talk we had had about I, I thought about about DeRozan playing up the three well that's not going to happen for a while well and like they had to start Davis Bertans at the three in the last preseason game against the Hawks like it's really uh now maybe Greg Popovich is just going to get so much out of them defensively playing these enormous lines Rudy Gay does look pretty good I, I'll, I'll give him that oh I guess they got Bellinelli that's who we're forgetting uh as still held they've got murray white and walker are out um but you know quincy pondex are gonna have to play uh so i i do think these guys can still defend okay although murray would have been a big part of that to me but i just uh, the scoring just is gonna really struggle uh, as far as i'm concerned so you know i see them right at 41 wins but again you know that's they could have a 41 win point differential and win 44 you know like that's i'm not saying that they are out of the playoffs uh, at all here i just have them a little bit below some of these other teams we haven't seen it really uh, with this mix uh, at this point and so uh and, and just as they just have no spacing on this team at all the people who can space can't stop anybody so you know i i never liked that maybe pop can get enough out of them but i'm uh i'm a little skeptical um do you want to talk about those teams at all well, I have a three-team tier here, and I originally had San Antonio. Obviously, they were in a higher tier before everybody got hurt. I'm worried about their offense. I'm worried about their defense. Really, second-unit offense and everywhere defense. So I have the Clippers as my nine seed at 40, Spurs as my 10 at 39, and then Minnesota right right there at 38. And you make a good argument on the Clippers. Like It's it's one of those weird things. Like yeah. Intuitively, well, I'm so, seeing so they're you going. Moved, I mean, Gallinari is... You moved a, the Clippers up, right? Because I think you had the Clippers under at 38 on our I did, on our and, show. I, and I watched them... 
I, w- I watched a little bit more of them. And, you know, what, what I started realizing was this idea that they it's unrealistic to expect them to be less healthy. You know, the, the idea that because they were just ravaged by injuries last year. I mean, Beverly, Gallo, Griffin missed a bunch of time when he was still on the team. And, Bradley. And yeah, the, the downgraded center. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bradley basically barely played for them. And so you have all of those different elements that are in play. They're also a very deep team. And Doc did a wonderful job coaching. Now, I think Doc's coaching job is actually in some ways going to be harder this year because now he's cutting the minutes of veterans who think they're going to play. And now he's going to have to deal with guys who think they should play more as opposed to like the hungry guys like Ty Wallace and everything else. But they're better talent is better talent. So I, I think that's going to be there. San Antonio 39, Minnesota at 38. Then I have a little bit of a gap before my next year. So I want to see where you have Minnesota. Yeah, I had them at, at 40 wins, although I could easily see them you know, I, I mean, I guess they still won or, or had the point differential of a 38 win team in the first Thibodeau year without Jimmy Butler. So I don't see them going that far below that. I mean, Towns and Wiggins presumably are a little bit better. They didn't have Jeff Teague. You know, I think he'll give them more than Rubio gave them that year. I think they have a little more depth uh, than they did. You know, Taj Gibson's a quality player. I do like the fit of Tolliver there as well so i've got memphis at 36 that's one that i had not i didn't do their pod obviously so i had to kind of come from scratch with that prediction dallas at 34 and uh you know so that's kind of its own tier there and then i got phoenix 26 and sacramento i originally predicted them 24 i'm going to downgrade them to 23 after kind of seeing their preseason how the pieces fit together dave yeager's uh just artistic coaching so shall we say just almost protest coaching playing four bigs at once uh you know i it doesn't seem like he's particularly happy with this roster and the total lack of a stretch element so sacramento i got last uh and i'm, I'm gonna pick them to be the worst team in the the nba uh 23 wins uh 15th in the western conference so i have two tiers for the remaining part minnesota and dallas in one or sorry not minnesota dallas and memphis in one of their own 35 for dallas 34 for memphis i like both those teams i could see them being above it that's also why they're kind of their own tiers i could see them winning in the you know a little bit more but then also could see it taking a step back memphis is such a hard team to predict this year then phoenix and sac i think phoenix is meaningfully better than sacramento but when you have teams that so i have phoenix at 27 sacramento at 24 and phoenix i see them as more of like a 30 win team and that's including some downgrade with devin booker you know whatever's going on it looks like he's going to start the yeah. season but you know whether he's 100 percent hasn't well, played with the team and here's much, the thing to remember about phoenix like they had the point differential of an 18 win team last year right? right i mean phoenix and sacramento they were both like you know 29th and 29th and 30th and 30th in offense and defense last year so if phoenix gets to 26 that's actually like an eight game improvement like that's pretty good you know i, I mean i I know they're yeah. over under is 29 and like all right they signed trevor Reza, but like and deandre ayton has had some good points and rebounds games in the preseason but you know i don't think he's going to be an effective winning player this year josh jackson i mean it seems like he's going to get uh plenty of rope uh, to uh do exactly what he wants to do and uh you know that's not going to be good for the team so uh, i mean i i like I, I do think that ryan anderson helps them offensively at least uh but you know this is one of those teams I, i've said this about quite a few teams where you know they have a few lineups they can get to that you feel pretty good about but then there's just so many other pieces that don't make any sense that you think that those lineups are rarely going to be deployed and then it doesn't really work uh you know they don't have enough spacing they don't have enough defense in a lot of these lineups you know if you're going to have jackson out there tj warren's another piece that doesn't fit they don't have a point guard are they going to play booker at point guard or or you know what's the story there you know shaq harrison while he's a good story and a good defender just doesn't really seem to work um 
as an offensive player you know he's just not even remotely interested in taking a three-pointer um and not someone who you're gonna have the ball in his hand so uh let's talk a little bit about our friends at SeatGeek. as listeners know i spent time in japan on the honeymoon my wife really wanted to go to sumo wrestling I, i'd never been i thought it would, it would be awesome to check it out and then i discovered to my horror that SeatGeek, unfortunately is not yet available in japan and i was reminded of just how miserable the ticket buying process can be with the ticket brokers and just not knowing whether you're getting a good deal and this feeling of like all right you know i'm just sick of looking i'll just buy this one but wait what if i go to one more site i might get a better deal well SeatGeek saves you so much time and money over the traditional online ticket buying process first of all every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence but they also rank every ticket based on value so you look for that beautiful dark green dot and you know that that ticket is the best one in that area the best value for its location and then they also aggregate ticket selling sites together so you don't have to worry about going to a bunch of different sites any longer so if you're searching for a last minute deal you're planning a night out or you need to find the perfect gift SeatGeek has you covered best of all if for some reason you haven't tried SeatGeek yet you can get $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase via that familiar promo code CAPSPACE easy to remember we talk about it all the time in the program that's promo code CAPSPACE for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase SeatGeek life's an event we have the tickets and don't forget to use that CAPSPACE code let them know that you came from us so let's talk Easter I'll let you start things out in terms of talent, I have the the top as a three team tier, but I do not. I, I have Philly below the other two in terms of expected record, just because they have more downside risk. They haven't proven it as much. I have Boston at sixty, so that would be tied with the Warriors for the best record in the NBA. I have Toronto at fifty six. I originally had them higher. They were one of the teams that got a couple knocked off due to the adjustment that I had to make. I really like Toronto. I think they can win a lot of games. So I, I don't. I'm not. I I could see it being higher than that. I just it was one of those. It's like eh, need to move it a little bit. So I have them, and then. A little bit of a gap and then philly at 54 which is still high for them i might end up moving this down a slot or two if i want to try to reconcile this and get it closer to flush but i see those as unquestionably to me the three best teams in the eastern conference as of now i actually have toronto one ahead of boston with 58 wins boston interesting uh, with gordon hayward looking like he's not even really close to back right now Kyrie irving probably going to get a lot of rest and as good as this team is you know they have not really scored that effectively without Irving on the floor you know they do have solid depth they're going to defend I don't see them again this just has the feel of such a talented team that I don't see them defending quite as hard on an every night basis because they just kind of don't need to you know last year they needed to be that good defensively to win games and you could also just see some guys generally a little upset about how much playing time they're getting how many touches they're getting and maybe the chemistry won't quite be there Rozier not reaching an extension as well you know it's does not augur extremely well for that so i i think this is a fabulous team uh i could easily see them winning 60 games i could easily you know and we did a whole preview obviously on boston with with uh, jared white so i talk more about why I, i've got them at, at 57 there i've got uh, my next tier actually i've got philly below toronto and boston uh and they are in the same tier as the milwaukee bucks my friend I'm totally fine with that. I, I have Milwaukee at 50 wins, so I have them meaningfully ahead of Indiana. But I'm just, I just don't see those teams exactly the same yet just because Philly did it last year in Milwaukee. It's, I, I expect to see it, but we haven't seen it yet. Yeah, I, you know, 
I'm not sure that I don't like Milwaukee's talent more than Philly's to be honest I think Giannis is clearly the best player uh, on either of those two teams and I think the Bucks talent actually fits around uh, Giannis a little bit better than the Sixers talent fits around Simmons and Embiid uh, and you know maybe Embiid is just going to be so good this year that uh, that won't be true anymore uh, you know and the fact that he's in better shape I really have liked what I've seen from him in the preseason in terms of posting up but uh, this Fultz experiment I predict is not really going to go that well unfortunately um and I think that's going to cost them some wins early on I think their lack of depth is going to cost them some wins or early on Wilson Chandler no indication that he's close yet coming back from that hamstring they're going to manage that extremely conservatively they're really relying on him as well they're relying on Robert Covington to hit shots also you know which has kind of waxed and waned throughout his career so I've got Philly with 53 Milwaukee at 51 but I, I think it's very possible that Milwaukee could actually finish ahead of Philly this year then I've got Indiana at 48 I, you know the vibes coming out of there in the preseason are not amazing Miles Turner has not looked awesome but Oladipo is still a, a boss Tyreek Evans maybe won't be as good as he was last year but he's still solid uh so I, I think uh Indiana I've kind of got in their own tier at 48 wins there uh and so I'll stop at that point and uh I have them pretty much in their own tier too, because the closest team to them in terms of record, I have Washington at 44 and Indy at 46, but I trust the Pacers so much more than the Wizards. Like if I were to pick, I would, I would have Indiana going above this more than I would have Washington going above there. You know, that's an interesting statement to say you trust. And I, I agree with you. I like Indiana more, but I mean, Washington has players that we are more familiar with who've been playing at this level for longer. And they've been at this level longer with this core than, than Indiana. Uh, you know well if you were to tell me that john wall was 100 percent healthy or at least like 95 percent healthy i would feel differently but until i know that for sure and i mean there are also all these other like weird issues with them like indiana they're they added talent i think they're a better team talent wise maybe health will be it will be a factor there but like washington's weird stuff at the center position like dwight will gum up some of their offensive stuff and then defensively you know he has his moments to be sure and he's hurt but will too which is never a good and 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 he's already hurt and then they're and their depth there is Yamahimi and I could see Kelly Oubre you know chafing not getting an extension and all, all these other kind of issues and so the Wizards it's more of a chemistry disaster potential because I mean they played a lot without John Wall last year and Sedaransky really stepped up Bradley Beal really stepped up but I also like I don't really trust Scott Brooks to maximize this roster like you know it, one of the weird things for me we've talked about this a fair amount with Thibodeau but Scott Brooks also built this reputation of his teams always defending and his last stop and the wizards haven't done that and some of that could be you know they're getting a little blase with where they've kind of been in the same place for a few years all that kind of stuff but i'm not sold that they're going to really turn that around and be you know a much better defensive team this year and then so then but the other team i have with washington is miami at 43 they're almost exactly the opposite where i think i know what i'm getting from miami it's just about i don't think they have like they could be win a couple extra games i think they're going to be scrapping through close games so how well they do in the clutch is going to affect them more than most teams but they're going to defend they have a lot of talent who knows they might be getting jimmy butler eventually and i like a lot of what miami does i just don't really you know i don't trust their offense all the way yet and 
I worry about when they get into close games. Like Wade had some crazy runs last year, both in the regular season. They had some big ones. I had a co- had I think one in the playoffs as well. I don't think that's necessarily going to continue. Yeah, I had them at forty four as well. I don't believe a ton in conference disparity. You know, at max conference disparity being in one conference or another, you know, can give you an extra win or two. Uh, but you know, that's how, that's maybe how you get to forty four if you're Miami with the rest of this conference just having teams that you know don't have as much depth as they do don't play as hard as they do um so yeah washington and miami are kind of in their own tier at six and seven and then uh the incredible battle for the eighth seed it's likely that some team will emerge to have more than the 37 wins that i picked the charlotte hornets for at the eighth seed Uh, but you know i'm just not sure what individual team that is so i've got them at 37 detroit at 36 that one could go either way i see those guys as kind of the ones battling for the eighth seed of the teams below them i guess brooklyn is probably the most likely to emerge uh as uh, to get into there maybe orlando as well though you know i'm not sure necessarily maybe why i think orlando is better than brooklyn um i've got the orlando with 31 wins brooklyn 30 and then cleveland also uh with 30 as well that's another team that, that i did not get a chance to do the the uh team preview for I think I'm a little bit more optimistic on the bottom of this group, but so I have Charlotte getting the eight seed with 39 wins. Oh, baby. I don't trust I don't trust them or Detroit. I think the top seven is pretty solid, but then I don't trust either of those eight seeds. And so I, I pushed them down both a little bit. I wasn't going to give them a boost just because I don't like the bottom of the East. And so the 39-38, then Brooklyn, Cleveland, Orlando, they kind of finish out. They're, so they're their own tier after this, but I'll talk about all of them because you just did. I have Brooklyn at 33, Cleveland at 33, or Orlando at 31. I moved Cleveland up for my projections. I thought they looked good in the preseason for relative to my expectations. My expectations were very low, but I thought they competed more defensively and they, their offensive system seemed to be making a little bit more sense than I feared. And Brooklyn, I, I like their depth. I, you know, I could, I could have had them, you know, a little bit higher. This is right around their range. And it's weird for me to pick. And then I have Orlando at 31. So I have three teams in the low thirties, which I just said doesn't really happen very often, but I couldn't really put these teams in either direction. I guess that would be an easy way for my win total to get closer to square would be if those teams each win like two fewer and that's really where i have that and i'll i'll finish out the east i have chicago at 29 their defense concerns me if markinen was starting the season healthy i would probably have them right around where orlando is but they aren't and the the depth kind of concerns on the guard line are, are definitely i mean they don't have backup point guards they have cameron Payne and upside down question mark maybe uh, Tyler no, no, they do. It's chris dunn. no backup point guards they have chris dunn yeah sure. yeah yeah he's chris a dunn backup point guard <sighs> And so, so that's a big concern for me, but I do think I originally actually had them higher because I thought of the idea that Hoiberg will run through the finish line, just like they did last year where they should have lost a couple extra games, though they got Wendell Carter and I think that worked out pretty well for them. Then I have the Knicks at 26. I have them as below a 26 win team without Porzingis and then above that with him, but I think they'll ease him, ease him back in. And then I have Atlanta as the worst team in the league with 22. I could see them winning more, but I also see them being more comfortable, just kind of easing, easing into it and not really pushing as much at the end of the season and sacramento doesn't have their own pick so i think that'll push them up a couple wins i think those teams are pretty similar in terms of talent but the incentives are different so that's why i have them in slightly different records. yeah i could see uh, maybe atlanta having the worst record but sacramento being the worst team uh you know that's a, that could be possible uh, by the end of the year uh finishing out to chicago 27 wins uh, for me and then i've got the knicks all the way down at 25 they're one of the biggest differences with their over under which i was 29 the the last time i checked it so as i said i'm at 1239 wins overall for the league uh i tried to explain that um 
few other categories here the bottom tier of teams i think there are clear four worst teams in the league those are atlanta sacramento phoenix and the the knicks phoenix i could see getting out of that category chicago i could see falling into it uh you know orlando you could see falling into it um as well so maybe it's even fair to say atlanta sacramento and the knicks you know phoenix probably has more talent than those teams do at this point um what do you see as the like bottom tier you know in contention for the worst record in the league teams I think it's Atlanta, Sack, and the Knicks, just because the Knicks, all they have to do is take their foot off the accelerator with Porzingis, and I think they're right around this. I like their veterans a little bit more, but I mean, Phoenix and 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 like Sack, those teams have capable players as well, and Atlanta, like, there, there are reasons to think they could be a little bit better than this. Yeah. And then, yeah, I guess the teams that could fall in, Chicago, Orlando, Cleveland, Brooklyn, I mean, Cleveland has that protected pick story, so you could see them kind of pushing it a little bit. If it, yeah. if it starts badly, they could just keep it going. They could also sell off some of their guy their good players and just you know give the keys over to sexton and well you know sexton could be good eventually young point guards are almost never good originally so that there are ways for them to kind of pivot if they want to but i think it's going to take a lot for that to happen and i mean brooklyn this is the first time they've had their own pick unencumbered in a long time so if they if they end up falling into it i could see them moving some of their kind of expiring contributors that sort of thing and then just move at the deadline so they could get into it and you know dallas like there's an easy kind of downside potential argument here if it just takes a little bit longer they can have an encouraging year and then at the having the stewardship of mark cuban and carlisle who are both so stable in their understanding of what of their roles with this team that they just go fine let's just play younger guys let's figure out whatever's going to happen with deandre and all that kind of stuff like i could see that happening as well i just think they're too good to have that happen yeah i, I think you're right i mean you could see barnes who could be a free agent might be a trade candidate deandre jordan could be a trade candidate if it all goes poorly um who are the your list of championship contenders warriors are i have them as kind of separate from everybody else then the next group would be boston toronto houston i think i'd have those teams together and then the outside 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 shot would be utah philly and milwaukee all those teams just they have some ceiling that i i think is worth talking about but they haven't proven it and all those teams actually like offensively i just worry like philly crunch time offense was a big concern last year utah that's where they need to make big strides it's just getting reliable buckets against really good teams and then milwaukee we just need to see all of it from them so i would say those but that that's kind of where i push it there are other teams that could get into the mix with a really really good season but i feel like drawing the line there i got four championship contenders golden state houston boston and toronto philly and utah are interesting i could see them in the regular season statistically looking as good as the four aforementioned teams but uh, one of the things that i've been talking about uh, a lot and that was even thrown into starker relief last year was that at the absolute highest levels there is a stylistic change lots of shooting being able to switch everything and with Embiid, with gobert philly and utah are great defensive teams i don't think that that style works as well against the best teams and then you look at on the other end you know those teams don't have the one individual guy who can go right at a switch and beat a switch you know can score one-on-one and really punish that style either you know both those teams i think have really struggled to score uh, against those best defenses when they really put their best personnel out there and so boston toronto houston golden state those are the four teams to me that can play the style that is won at the highest levels uh, in the nba where you've got enough shooting you've got awesome creators who can win one one-on-one and also force you out of your conventional pick and roll defense uh 
even if you have a Gobert or an Embiid, uh, and then defensively switch everything uh, as well. So those that's why I'm so limited there. I mean, I, like you, I think you know Utah and, and Philly. Maybe if everything goes right, they they could get in there. Maybe if everything goes right for the Lakers or they make the right trade, or everything goes right for Milwaukee, they could get into this. But you know, as of right now, those are the only four teams that can do you know those three three things: awesome creators to beat switches, enough shooting, and then the ability to switch everything defensively so uh that said my conference finalists are pretty easy to guess golden state and houston in the west boston and toronto in the east and my nba finals pick golden state warriors over the toronto raptors in six games i think boston has more talent than toronto i'm still not comfortable just assuming that Kawhi leonard is going to be 2016-17 Kawhi leonard by the end of the year but I'm also not sure that Kyrie Irving is going to be healthy by the end of the year or 100% that Gordon Hayward is going to be back to the guy that he was, that it's all going to work in Boston with all of what are going to be some people who rightfully feel pretty entitled to be advancing their careers young guys like brown tatum rosier so that's why i'm gonna pick toronto i i mean that's like you know a 51 49 pick to me though and you know i could very easily see boston making me feel stupid they're you have to imagine they would have the coaching advantage in a matchup between uh, those two teams the way I'm framing this is that I think Boston is the most likely Eastern Conference champion, even if I see your scenario playing out, should both those teams be healthy and as I expect it or help, you know, what we expect going into the season. I have Boston beating Toronto in seven games and then the Warriors yeah. beating Boston in I, six. I think that series is really going to matter home court too, because if Boston has home court, it is kind of hard for me to see Toronto uh, beating them. Yeah, I mean, especially if it's a game seven in, in the Garden, Toronto. I mean, and, and this is a very different Toronto team. And then another reason why I have Boston over Toronto was the most likely Eastern Conference champion is coaching. I mean, we just don't know what Nick Nurse is necessarily. Yeah. And while I've liked elements of what I've seen, there are chemistry issues that can come from that. There are scheme. I mean, yeah, we were pissed off at what Dwayne Casey did in terms of his rotations, but at least we knew, <laughs> you know, like there's something there's it's kind of a mystery box situation. So yeah, that that that's where I have it right now. Are you ready to move on to the other awards? Uh, well, I have a couple other questions I wanted to ask you here. Uh, okay. You're going to know based on my answer that I see Toronto in the finals to this first one, which is more likely Golden State versus Boston or any other matchup. I think the last three years we've done more likely Golden State versus Cleveland or any other matchup. I think we both pick Golden State versus Cleveland every year as being more likely. And it ended up, of course, being the one. But so this year, Golden State versus Boston or any other matchup. I'll take the field. Boston, Toronto is close. You know, Philly or Milwaukee could step in and the Warriors, I expect the Warriors to win the West, but there is of course a chance that they don't. So I'll say the, I'll say the field there. Not as confidently as you, but I still will. I will say field as well. Uh, I mean, and, and it, I get the impression we're not that far off on this Boston-Toronto thing. Like, like you probably, what percent chance would you have towards Boston in a Boston-Toronto series with everybody healthy? Oof, like if, it, with everyone healthy? So we're counting 100% Kawhi? Uh, yeah, I'd actually you know, probably I, have I Toronto know. I, that, that was a bad way to say it because I think for me, if everyone were healthy and playing at the level they played at the last time they were healthy, that would include Hayward. And I actually would probably, no, I would true. probably actually make Boston boston the favorite if everyone were healthy this is in some ways a pick a, a, against that uh you know i'm just against not Boston's sure health. yeah, that yeah Hayward I, gets I'll, I'll just say this i think it's very close yeah. uh, between yeah. the between those two teams i think both of them are wonderful i think there's a very significant chance that those are the number two and three best teams in the league that both of them end the season 
meaningfully better than the Rockets, but we have to actually yeah. see it. You're definitely so. lower on the Rockets than I am, it seems like. Well, I, I'm lower on them as a playoff team. I am high on them as a regular season team just because now I think they're they're a lot easier to defend and I worry about their defense a lot. Hmm. So, you know, like the you putting out five-man lineups now, I mean, they're going to need everybody to be healthy, which is a big concern because they have a lot of guys that have history there and they just don't have as many options. Like, I'm high on James Ennis. If James Ennis doesn't work, if Melo doesn't work, they, if, you know, if Gerald Green doesn't have a, a strong playoffs, they just don't have as many options. All right, last question here. More likely, Golden State winning the title or the field? I'm going to go with Golden State, but I I don't feel great about it. I think I could that could end up shifting over the course of this season, but they're just so incredibly talented, and they can handle a lot of what different teams can throw at them, and I don't think Boston and Toronto, as currently situated, can handle everything that the Warriors throw at them. You know, like, Steph Curry is a big logistical challenge for both Toronto and Boston, just because they have other good defenders, but they don't really have the right kind of guy for him. They have a lot of guys to throw at Durant, just like they do at Kawhi. But I I think the Warriors are meaningfully more talented than those teams. They're also well-coached. And while Steve Kerr doesn't always sweep the leg as much as I think that he should with their talent, I think that they'll be able to make it work tactically, even if Toronto and Houston, just like Houston did last year, and Boston all have the ability to give them a really tough series. I'm going to go with the field and not necessarily because I wouldn't favor a healthy Golden State team over any of these teams in the matchup, but just because I think Golden State has been relatively lucky with injuries. You know, this is especially with the way Draymond Green is starting this season. You know, we've seen the last two years, Steph Curry and KD have had these MCL sprains that could have torpedoed their season uh, had they just occurred at a later point in time. Uh, and I don't think that they're quite as dominant. You know, I, I'm not necessarily sure. I, I think their odds of having home court are lower than they used to be uh and that they could even not have home court in the finals as well which wasn't really a possibility in past years it seemed like uh and you know these guys are getting a little older is green gonna be at the same level is iguodala maybe he could get injured again as well uh kd Steph, you know maybe they take a little bit of a step back i'm not expecting that but it could happen uh and then again you know finding that shooting off the bench i mean this team is probably gonna be last in the nba and bench threes again this season and so you know maybe they can get someone on the buyout market although they have rarely been aggressive during this era doing that they also are only starting the season with 14 guys because they're cheaping out on the luxury tax so uh, there's just enough cracks enough warning signs here i think people have forgotten how vulnerable they looked last season you know they didn't they only played one team that was capable of beating them last year and i expect that to be two this season uh in uh, and maybe even you could throw you into that category if they have to match up with them and they're not 100 percent. so and, and they're just so reliant on the shooting of kd steph and clay thompson that if any of those guys loses effectiveness or misses time like their offense is just going to fall off a cliff so because uh, they just don't have enough shooting and it really comes to a head uh, so this is really uh, you know I, I would probably put the odds of a golden state title this year at like 40 percent. you know i'm just low i think i'm lower on them than just about anybody as of now but they still have the most talent in the league and if they're totally healthy and everything's clicking you know i, I expect them to be significant favorites i just the chances of that being true are lower to me than in past years and there's also the the potential distraction of kd really leaving this year too my prediction on him that's actually a good one we should do actually let's do that right now Kevin Durant on the Warriors next year. 
I see this as really, really close to 50-50. So I'm going to say... Yes, I'm going to say he comes back. And the reason why is because I don't love any of the other options. Playing in LA with LeBron is weird. The Knicks can't put together a good enough team to me for him. And so I think Durant would be willing to leave for a similarly good or close to its circumstance. And I don't think any of those present themselves. Yeah, certainly if he cares about winning the Knicks team, unlikely. they're only going to have one max slot available. Maybe they could try to trade for another one or sign and trade or something like that. Um, I'd say if the Warriors win the, I'll try and do this a little bit more rigorously here. If the Warriors win the championship, which I'm saying has a 40% chance of happening, I think there's a near 100% chance that he returns. It's I mean, no one of significance has ever left a championship team before. It would just, you just won three championships in a row. It'd be really hard to leave something like that. If they don't win it, you know, I could see it being like a 50-50 proposition, especially, you know, it would be the manner in which it could happen to me would be very interesting as well, right? Like if there's just a big injury and they lose, okay, you know, maybe that means he's more likely to come back. If they just get beat uh, and if they do get beat, by the way, with their full strength, it's going to be so ugly, such a meltdown. It always is for these teams, right? The 91 Pistons, the 2011 Lakers, and these guys have a lot of hubris, earned hubris, but it's really i think gonna be so ugly i mean especially all the stuff that they get into with the refs and and whatnot so you know i think there's probably about a 50 50 chance he leaves maybe even more than that if they don't win the championship so i'd say maybe overall let's call it a 60 percent chance that he's on the warriors next year all right i want to tell you about everlane before we continue and get into mvp here you're never going to overpay for quality clothes with everlane i was glad that i got my shipment from them right before i went on the honeymoon I actually created a personalized collection at everlane.com slash capspace that you can check out. And, you know, I, I got, because we were going to be in Bali and Japan, it was be warm. I, I got a lot of summer stuff, which was great. I really just enjoyed the quality uh, of the fabric. There's summer stuff. It's really made for summer. It's very light fabric. Uh, some of those Henley shirts that, that they have uh, are fantastic. And not only do they have a lot of quality, but they're not making you pay for a brand name markup. Their prices are 30 to 50% lower than traditional retailers and they tell you their real costs they want you to know what you're paying for and why and they're just so transparent about everything their, their materials the ethical factories that they work with so go to that everlane.com slash capspace url you'll get free shipping on your first order you can see the stuff that i got from them as well once again that's everlane.com slash capspace and let them know at that slash capspace url that you came from us i struggled with mvp this year more than ever i i think and, and the reason for that is as we continue to see this growing disconnect between the regular season and the postseason if you wanted me to list the three best players in the nba well that'd be steph curry kevin durant and lebron james none of those players is higher than three on my list though i'm gonna go out on the limb and say that number one this year is going to be Giannis Antetokounmpo. his jump shot looks good he looks to have reworked his form somewhat in the offseason he's taking threes off the dribble with confidence i think a big problem for Giannis was his confidence because his old coach was always telling him like don't shoot threes." he actually shot plenty of threes as a rookie shot plenty of threes when he was over in greece and he really you know he'll make them in practice and then you know i think it was just in his head this feeling of guilt whenever he would take a jump shot and now i think mike budenholzer has cured him of that i think he's gonna have a monster year i think he's gonna be way better defensively as well so he is my pick for mvp who is yours the same greek gentleman 
is my, is oh, my pick. And God, we are just Giannis, all in on the Bucks this year. This is, I, I mean, I, I well, it's just like there's this feeling of like, oh, the Bucks they always disappoint us, but like that was because of the coach. I mean, the, the, I'm I, as I've said many times regarding this team, I'm putting my money where my mouth is with them, and uh, I think Mike Budenholzer is going to do a good job at least in the regular season, and uh, I think they're going to be really good. There's one other really important point with Giannis that it, you brought up his shooting, but the shooting around him and having cogent floor spacing and an yeah. offensive scheme. I think he's going to get more room to operate and that will really help him efficiently. I also think that Giannis's defense will get a little bit more appreciation. I think he's more of a four than a five. So that means he can get those help blocks, which some people really like and all that. And he'll be an important part of their team. They're going to improve a lot. And I'll go through the rest of mine. Sure. So I have LeBron at number two. There is an incredibly easy narrative for LeBron this year. The Lakers are going to be much better. Also, I think the Cavs are going to be significantly worse. And while we can make an argument that that shouldn't count or whatever for voting, though, I think there's an interesting argument that maybe it should. Yeah. The Lakers offensively, I think they're going to grow a lot with him. I think that's going to oh, help. Oh, and defensively, an important caveat here, which I, I should mention before you go any further, is we're doing this based on who we think is going to deserve it, not who we think will win. Yes. Because trying to right. guess like what uh, some of the crazy people in the media are going to do uh, with their picks is just too difficult and also not very interesting. Agreed. And so I'm talking about these narratives, but I also thought that feeds into genuine things that I believe. I think yeah. LeBron is going to be so central to opening up a lot of what the Lakers guys can do offensively. I love a lot of their guys as supporting pieces offensively. Josh Hart is a great example of this. Brandon Ingram, I'm very interested in how he fits in with LeBron, but also they'll have now a lot of time to play without him too. Like when he when he's not on the floor, they can put out some really strong lineups. I worry a little bit about the center position with them, but they'll do some interesting things. My number three, so I've said a little bit that I think James Harden's candidacy this year is underappreciated. I think oh, Harden yeah. has a, a a strong chance to repeat. He, he's, but he's I actually have two. him fourth. He, he's my number two. I have him fourth because I just think Steph Curry's a better offensive player, and so I'm not willing to I'm not willing to downgrade Curry because I think Harden's in a better kind of situation. Again, this is deserves versus record. I think Harden is more likely to win the award than Steph Curry for a series of pretty obvious reasons. But I think Steph's a better offensive player, so there. We go with that and then my fifth is anthony davis davis this could be the year that he just blows everyone away that he has the year that we're thinking of for Giannis. i am open to that possibility but the reason i don't have him any higher is because he doesn't have the ball in his hands enough and for me that's an important part of value and he's wonderful defensively maybe he you know he has a chance of winning defensive player of the year as well though i don't expect it so davis this could be the year he blows up i think fifth is a fair fair kind of expected value though he could be higher or lower than that yeah i've hardened at number two just because he has a much better health record than Curry, I agree. If you had to say, all right, who do you want in the playoffs, Steph Curry or James Harden, and they're both healthy, I would go with Curry for a, a, a few different reasons that we've talked about many times before. Uh, but you know, I, I had Harden number two. I mean, you know, Houston, I think they're going to be good this year, and, and why are they going to be good? Well, it's because James Harden is awesome again, and you know, he's not really at an age where he should be slowing down yet. Uh, so I mean, he's he's been just ridiculous the last two regular seasons, and I expect that really to continue and for him to be the big engine and that curry you know is just he's not going to have quite as big of a load uh although i again i expect the numbers to really be there for him i I think that if you're going to look at 
RPM, those are probably going to be the three best guys uh, this season. Uh, and Curry looks awesome in the preseason too. That, that's a, another note. I've got AD fourth. Um, you know, it's it's going to be hard for New Orleans, I think, to be good enough to where he's really going to crack into that top three. For me, I still do rely on team success to some degree, uh, although generally it's the player driving the, the team success. I have LeBron down at fifth. Uh, unlike you, I, I, I think that he... Um, maybe i'm mischaracterizing what you said but i think he's actually going to have his worst season in a long time both due to age and because he's just not going to be as in as much of a position so he's not going to have the shooting around him i think maybe the only hope for him you know staying there is where he's been these last few years offensively is just that the league continues to get so much smaller and he's the same size <laughs> uh i guess that's like reverse days and confused there uh but and and so that even if there is more double teaming that he's just going to be able to overwhelm the people guarding him size wise even more and there isn't as much room protection I actually talked about that on a pod that should be coming out this week with ben taylor uh where we kind of finished up our greatest of all time discussion from a couple of weeks ago um and then i've got kd sixth and Kawhi seventh and Kawhi being seventh if you asked me who was most likely to win MVP, I would definitely have him above KD. I would probably have him above Curry. I might even have him above Anthony Davis. But this is more just a prediction of what I think is most likely. But Kawhi has such an easy narrative. And if he gets back to being... Uh, the player that he was two years ago and drives Toronto to 60 wins I think that that's very easy and, and you know he was just awesome uh, you know he would have been my pick for MVP last year so him being seventh is really more about just not being sure that he's back and or at least back to quite the level that he was if he is at that level he probably would be my number one pick for MVP it's just this is more a question of does he get there rather than whether he's capable yeah 16 17 Kawhi Leonard would be number one on my list we just don't know yeah. if that's there. I have him sixth and have KD seventh. Uh, who do you think will get it? Giannis. I think this is his year. Yeah. And well, so the if the Bucks, make it, it, if the Bucks only win, you know, what did you have them at 50? 50. I have them at 51. Is that enough? Yes. Y because yeah. he's getting, he's getting all the credit, even though Chris Middleton and they have a lot of other good players, it's Giannis getting the shine. And I, I mean, I was looking back at his statistical profile last year and it was stronger than I had remembered. Oh, yeah. And you think about what you think about what opens up for him by virtue of having you know a competent coach and by having all this other stuff so yeah last year Giannis 27.4 PER 60% true shooting basically 30% usage which is about the same as Steph Curry just a, a smidge below that and you know a better defensive profile than LeBron a better defensive profile because LeBron was in chill mode all last year that's another point of clarification here if LeBron was trying more on defense I could see him being higher but I, I you know I think he'll be in chill mode but yeah so I mean Giannis if he just takes a modest step up from that and I think he could take a more than modest step up from that he's going to be ridiculous yeah in terms of who will get it you know I don't think 51 wins doesn't seem like enough that's low historically for a, a potential mvp you know i think there might be some hardened fatigue uh, as well and, and i'm also saying that again we're, we're talking about no one player i think has a greater than 50 percent chance of getting this so i'm kind of accounting for the fact that maybe the bucks could be even better than 51 wins you know maybe they get to 53 or 54 and they get the three seed yeah. and then it becomes a for lot sure. easier right even if i'm not predicting that to happen i think that's a, a significant uh, possibility and, and again you know you've got some of the competition here ad lebron you know, i don't see their teams winning so much more either and then harden uh curry kd you can see them just you know kind of taking their foot off the accelerator or you know there's fatigue with them or kd and curry split the votes again or so yeah i think Giannis would be my pick would be your number two 
LeBron, I, I think that it, again, the voters aren't necessarily us. I think that it's, you know, he, he will, I think, transform the Lakers offense. And I'm really excited to see that. And voters care more about offense than defense. The Lakers are going to win a bunch more games. And the other, that's one of the other things that goes against Kawhi's case is that there's a significant chance they don't win as, they have a really good year and don't win as many games as last year just because they had a crazy year. And so I could feel, I could imagine that more kind of like people who aren't watching the, the nitty gritty of it the way that we yeah. do might see that and go well how can i vote for somebody if they didn't win as many games as last year and that that you know like oh they replaced him with demar and all this other stuff and so even though they played over their heads last year i could see that being a potential issue so yeah i i would have Giannis, then probably lebron and harden are right next to each other but i'll go lebron over harden partially due to that fatigue argument and then or i don't want to go after that yeah uh, harden would be my number two uh most likely lebron probably number three um i want to do an ad for ourselves here our patreon patreon.com slash duncan larue we're starting off a new initiative here we're gonna have ad free episodes uh for the next two weeks see if it drives some subscriptions a, a lot of people have asked for that have said they would subscribe if we had it uh on days where we don't record right at night you know those should be up at, at the same moment that the show is released at patreon.com slash duncan larue and because liam is going to be the one who's editing out the the ads on days when we record late at night it probably won't be up until the morning eastern time because he's in eastern time zone i'm not gonna make him stay up till three in the morning just to edit out the ads um but you know by the next morning you should have pretty much every time now if you are a patreon subscriber an ad free version of the show uh, people have said that's important to them so we're gonna have him do that obviously we, we have to pay him to do that so uh but if it ends up that we get more subscribers that's something uh, that we will definitely continue so please check that out patreon.com slash duncan larue what else do our patreon subscribers get danny they get at least one exclusive longer form podcast each month so that's usually a mailbag show that we do and then they'll also get danny story time which is audio versions of my pieces when i get permission from the outlet that is publishing it to do that so that's a lot of basically everything they do for real gm and then for the athletic i have to ask each time but so a lot of times they're they're pretty cool with it so we'll, we'll go through that also salary cap sheets that's a great resource and as we're going through it i know that we did one for the knicks after the noah stretch that was a good one yeah. and, and so as moves happen at some point presumably jimmy butler is going to get traded so there will be salary cap sheets from that and and then you know other stuff as we think about it you know one of the fun things about the patreon is we every once in a while we think like oh this could be an interesting thing to do like that's how my airport ama started was it was just okay i want to i want to do this and so i would just answer questions and so if i'm traveling or if i have some free time i do that and those are of course exclusively all the ama mailbag type stuff not only are the answers exclusively for patreon people but only patreon people get to ask the questions so you get a lot more significantly higher likelihood that your question gets answered by us but by the way do you know what liam's uh, new title is no director of basketball research for for dunked on nice although i still actually i wanted to consult with you on this too uh should we just make him uh director of insight and foresight i think maybe we should just change it to that i, I don't know i kind of <laughs> want to be director of insight and foresight <laughs> Yeah, that's that. By the way, if you don't know, is uh, Rob Hennigan's actual title with uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder when he returned there. Uh, uh, apparently, you have to uh, run a, another franchise into the ground before you can be uh, determined to be a director of insight and foresight. Yeah, he's definitely not director of hindsight. Yeah. <laughs> 
All right, coach of the year. I've said previously that it should just be Greg Popovich and Steve Kerr, that those are the best coaches every year. That is no longer the case for me with Kerr. I mean, this is a regular season award. I don't think that Steve Kerr is a great regular season coach anymore. And, you know, maybe he is because he's keeping the team fresh or whatever. But, you know, if you're he was certainly not the coach I would want to have the number one coach I want to have if I wanted to win games in the regular season his approach has changed and perhaps so I mean he's not concerned about regular seasons awards but you know the reality is he's not driving his team to wins in the regular season he's not playing the best lineups he's not trying to really push these guys in year four so I kind of take him out of that Greg Popovich certainly always in that conversation I I but you know, I just don't expect the Spurs to be that good this year. And, you know, they did, if they had played at the same level that they had played at all year last year, I think he probably would have been my coach of the year, but he did kind of fade off a little bit towards the end. So, you know, I still think he's, he's really good, but I'm, going away a little bit i have more of a reason with kerr than with popovich frankly uh from just the idea that those two guys are gonna be at the top of my ballot every year so uh what's your reaction to that danny i'm totally fine moving kerr down i mean you could say oh well it's because of the job he's asked to he's being asked to do that's a fair point but at the same you know not not squeezing everything out because that's not your job is a little bit of a weird way to give somebody credit so i still have pop over stevens just because of what they did defensively last year is absolutely incredible I mean, the the way that they played over their heads with Kawhi being out and everything else. And so I'm giving him that deference for now. I don't know if that's going to continue. I have Steven second. And then you have this interesting, I, 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 don't, I don't exactly know where to draw the line after that. But it's, you know, there are guys like, I think Quinn Snyder is underrated as a regular season coach. He does a really good job. We'll see what Carlisle can do with Rick Carlisle with the talent that Dallas has this year because they've been in such a weird place. Spo, I think, does a great job squeezing things out of that Miami group where you, offensively, especially, you have to just try to maximize guys, put them in a good situation to succeed. But my answer on who will win, I have two significant contenders, Mike Budenholzer and Quinn Snyder. Budenholzer because the Bucks are going to win a bunch more games and not like Memphis where they're winning a bunch more games because their guys are healthier. And Quinn Snyder because I think the Jazz are going to be a very good team. I think they will surprise people by being in the higher mix. And so that will give Snyder some shine. But I'm going to give Budenholzer the award because that's the type of thing that happens. If you go way over expectations and you're a good team and because of the value over not replacement coach but jason kidd and joe prunty i think he'll win yeah i would pick Budenholzer to win it as well uh quinn snyder would probably be my number two nick nurse actually this is talking about who will win it nick nurse i think would be my number three uh although you, you do make a good point that i'm probably giving short shrift to of hey they won 59 games last year um and so maybe there'll be a feeling that it's more real this year because they have Kawhi uh and they might just dominate it even more but so maybe the narrative behind nick nurse isn't as strong as i thought doc rivers in the conversation for me also you know again if oh absolutely if, if the clippers are, are gonna exceed expectations like i expect i don't see brad stevens in it quite as well again you know if you wanted me to just rank and this is almost becoming in some ways like the mvp where ranking the best coaches and who's the the you know added the most wins to their team during the regular season is a different inquiry you know i would still have popovich kerr stevens and then maybe snyder you know as the guys that i think of oh these are the best coaches in the league um but I don't see Stevens getting into the national conversation number one because I don't see the Celtics just exceeding expectations. That's usually such a large component of that. And number two, you know, the thought was he was going to win last year, which you know was ridiculous that he didn't. Uh, first coach to be fired. 
I spent some time on this because I realized I hadn't realized how many coaches at the bottom of the league changed over right. this past year. I mean, so basically it's it's hard to expect any of those guys to be the first coach fired. So that leaves Dave Yeager as significantly the most likely. He's already thrown some shade at the front office, and that's always a sign that maybe things are shaky. I mean, I think the groceries that have been bought for him are not good, but that in many ways does not matter. But I wanted to go through my list of other contenders. Well, here, can, and can I talk about Yeager real quick? Sure. He was my of he course. was my pick as well uh and the kings exercised their fourth year option on him remember he's good so he's got two years left now but you know he's getting to the point where oh my god we can't let him go into a lame duck year we have to either you know extend him or let him go and i would be shocked if they the kings play well enough this year that they'd want to think about extending him so you could also see jaeger just kind of agitating a little bit to get fired he certainly did that in memphis he flirted with the minnesota job maybe in fact uh if the minnesota job comes open he would want to just get out of Sacramento and go to Minnesota you know he apparently seems to have a relationship there with Glenn Taylor he was ended up not leaving Memphis but you know the talk was he was going to do that and go to Minnesota for a while um but yeah I mean Jaeger seems like the obvious pick and then you know I expect the Kings to suck again this year which which else yeah you're, you're going to go through the rest of your list yeah so the other teams on my list coaches on my list are not coaches that if they if the season goes to my expectations would be fired right. but if it goes differently I could see and so I'm going to start that with Mike Malone I mean it's there it seemed like there was a discussion about whether to keep him this year one of the few things they can still change in Denver is the coach Scott Brooks similar argument then he's making too much the money. kind of he wasn't on my list i mean this is they've made the playoffs both years he, he's well got, and, the, and also like grunfeld i i can't imagine grunfeld changing horses yeah. midstream at, at certain modes i could just see the season yeah. just going I mean, south they're paying him seven million a year like it's really Oof, hard i'd forgotten see. it was that high yeah i mean that was a crazy coaching yeah. contract and other than malone these aren't in particular order but the other ones that i had so scott brooks ty Lu, if this season really goes south he signed an extension pretty recently as well luke walton lebron can oh, be very tough yeah. on coaches he, he should have been on my list Billy Donovan, if OKC, you know, if it, if it turns for them. Ooh, yeah. And then the last one, even though I think he's a wonderful coach, but we had these weird murmurs last year, Terry Stotts. You know, I think Stotts is a wonderful coach, but again, there aren't that many things they can change with this team. I could see that being one as well. Do you say Tibbs? I did not say Tibbs. I see that as something I see that as something else. And also for me, firing Thibodeau mid-season would be a very big decision. You know, like firing him as the coach, I mean I guess would Layden take over? I don't even I, I think that he will not be running this team next year, but I would also be surprised if he got fired. Yeah, it does kind of seem to have that that feeling. And in fact, it wouldn't surprise me because all the bad teams now have new coaches and they went through all this last year. Uh it wouldn't surprise me if we have zero in season firings this year. But yeah, I, I would Oh, I think we'll have one. I think we'll have one and that's it. Yeah. But it's hard to identify who that would be. But yeah, I mean if there's one if one of these West playoff teams that's used to making the playoffs uh, just it is not meeting expectations. Malone and Stotts are the two that fall into that category. Uh, but Jaeger would still be my most likely in-season firing. Uh, I think what we're going to do here, actually, because we only have two games tomorrow, obviously we're going to record on those. But why don't we just take this to a part two and uh, give you a little bit more content uh, 
for tomorrow. Well, can I plug something before we go? Yes. So my massive 30-piece series is now all out for The Athletic. You can read its combination off-season review, regular season preview, and 2019 off-season preview. So my preliminary estimates for cap space, free agents, extension-eligible guys, all that fun stuff. And I put a lot into it. So those are all at The Athletic. People can check that out. And uh, my Real GM Radio podcast on tears with Matt Moore. It'd be good to listen to it before the start of the regular season, before it all gets invalidated by what, by what happens. That's out there. I don't know when the next one's coming out, but that's a lot of material if you if you want to go through it. And we'll see how all that set of ages. I also had a piece for the Bay Area site about the McKinney, the McKinney situation and how they did all that. I talked about that a little bit yesterday. And listeners of this show might be interested in that minutia. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with actual discussion of real NBA games. Talk to y'all then. Yay! You must love hoops if you're enjoying another great episode of Dunked On. The Locked On Podcast Network has more hoops for you. Locked On has a podcast on every NBA team. If you're a Lakers fan, a Bucks fan, a Celtics fan, or a Mavericks fan, the Locked On Podcast Network has a daily podcast on your favorite team. All 30 NBA teams have a daily podcast at Locked On. Search on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, for Locked On, your favorite team, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.